This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is Bounce. What's up, everybody? Jack Maloney back with Friendly Bounce, Hardwood Proxies, and Basketball Network. Here's my guy, Zach Bennett. As always, we're about to talk about the Western Conference Finals, WNBA, uh, Minnesota Lynx, uh, and the uh, Phoenix Mercury. Um, the Lynx obviously took care of business in Game 3 against the Sparks the other night. Uh, the Mercury, as we detailed you know, a few podcasts ago, they... Had an easy, uh, a much easier road in the first round against Tulsa. They just destroyed them. Um, yeah, this should be a pretty fun series. So let's just jump right into it. Zach, you were at Game Three uh, when the Lynx defeated the Sparks. Is that right? That is correct. You asked me what uh, what Game Three of the Sky was like. So what uh, what was the oh, atmosphere oh. like there? I I mean I know you've been to to Lynx games plenty of times and Lynx playoff games as well, but that, you know, game threes are always a, a special, special atmosphere, and it, it certainly looked that way on TV. Yeah, the one previous elimination game that I had been to was last year in an elimination game in the Western Conference Finals against Phoenix. Um, I don't exactly think that the atmosphere in Game 3 against the Sparks was similar. I think there was more concern uh, amongst the crowd, and it was a little more tense. You know, the old saying that you can cut the tension with the knife in here, that definitely was applicable to um, Game 3, but they uh, they got it done. So now we're here against Phoenix again. It seems to be uh, an annual occurrence that these teams meet. So... This is our, uh, we, you should have mentioned that this is one of our first ever day of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> re- re- recording in the morning. I'm going to go to Link Shoot around in like an hour, I think. So, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it, you can sense I'm not, uh, I'm not anywhere near the stadium right now, but it, it's a playoff atmosphere around me. I can, I can sense it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted, I want to ask you because you mentioned it, um, you watch the game on TV, which I don't get to do very often because I'm usually there, at least for the home games. And then when I watch the TV, it's because the links are usually on the road. Right. <laughs> how does how does the crowd and environment look from a television viewer's perspective at Target Center for Lynx home games? Uh, I mean, certainly in the fourth quarter, like it seemed pretty crazy. I know, like I don't know if how they do it at, at Target Center. Like, I know a lot of the arenas don't open the upper bowl, and so it allows, like, everyone, you know, when you have a big crowd, everyone's just packed into that lower bowl, and you have, like, six, 7,000, whatever. Like, it, since it's so, I mean, basically sold out, it looks like. And, like, I don't know, it, it looks pretty nuts, especially in the fourth quarter, like, when, when Maya forced that five-second call. I mean, the, yeah. I don't know. It sounded loud, <laughs> certainly. Um, 
But yeah, it seems it seems like definitely a good atmosphere. One of the one of the best in the in the league. I, there certainly seem to be more people there than than were at the Sky game uh, the other night. So comparable, you think it's a uh, it's a more energetic crowd, at least aesthetically from from your perspective watching on the TV than other teams around the league. That's interesting. Yeah, I I mean there are certain like. Uh, the Sky have a lot of circumstances that kind of make it difficult for people to get to their arena, um, which I, I don't know. It's I've seen, I've I've seen friends of the program Sean Hyken complain about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly not easy to get to Allstate Arena. Um, there's like you can't really get there by public transportation. Um, I mean, you can, but it's like convoluted. You have to, you have to take the train, and then, like, take a bus. But like, the bus doesn't always run that way, and like, uh, is is weird. It's it's certainly not easy to get there, and that makes it, you know, the crowd is is not going to be f- as as packed when, you know, there's a a lot of things you can do in Chicago, and if you're, you know, it's it's difficult to get to a sky game. I, I mean, that's one of the things they deal deal with is the lack of attendance, and it's certainly not making it easy for people to attend. Uh, you know, people don't like to drive in Chicago, and that's probably the easiest way to get to Allstate Arena. So, um. I, I I did hear on the other side of that argument that it is closer to the airport and pretty easy to get to from the airport. So if I yeah. had to go there cover the sky game i would prefer where it is right now but i think we should save that discussion for another day <laughs> yeah it, it is right next to the airport um that is correct but uh, uh would make it would make it easy for me but the sky were eliminated you know yeah right no but yeah the i mean the Lynx atmosphere certainly seems you know pretty pretty great i think phoenix is the same way and that especially you have these teams like you said they seem to meet every year in the playoffs. Like they're always in the playoffs, and when teams are constantly in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Like people are going to start showing up uh, when teams are winning like crazy, and both of these teams do. So, you know, that's that's definitely a big factor into into attendance and also, you know, the atmosphere that's created when people do show up is. You're expecting winning teams, and you get it on a consistent basis. It's going to make for a good, a good product, and a, you know, a good, a good crowd. Yeah, the, the other Minnesota sports organizations in town, the Vikings and the Twins, um, have bought tickets in the last couple games and given them away. I, Tyus Jones did a week ago. I mean, they do a good job of. Promoting uh, promoting ways to get to the game for less than retail price, we'll say. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's the third time I was telling you before the show. It's the third time in the last four years, which is the last four consecutive years that these teams have met in the Western Conference Finals. But today is different in that Phoenix doesn't have Diana Taurasi. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big difference. <laughs> I, ima- I imagine it's a <laughs> confident. I imagine it's a confidence booster, especially when you 
I mean, the, the links for how injured and inconsistent they've been all season are starting game one of the Western Conference Finals. Simone Augustus, Lindsey Whalen, Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles, and Rebecca Bronson. So it's like, yeah. well, granted, they haven't really done that much all season. I think it's like 36 or something minutes, or at least it was at some point before during the last series. Mm-hmm. It's like 30, 36 minutes they played together this season. But now it's now it's the Western Conference Finals, and they're healthy, and they're all ready to go. So it's, I feel like for the Lynx, the hard part is done. Now it just comes down to a three-game series, which I agree with you. I think it should be a five, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, like we said the other day, we both didn't really realize that it was only three still. Um, no, we're... We're learning. We're learning, though. But, um, but, yeah, no Diana Taurasi, obviously. I mean, it hasn't really impacted the, the Mercury in the sense that they're still the second best in the Western Conference, but I think this is when it's really... The full impact is going to be felt, you know, in this series. You know, she's been one of the best women's basketball players of all time, and all of a sudden she's not on your team when you have to deal with, especially, you know, as, as a guard. Um, and the Lynx have a lot of talent at the guard position in Maya Moore and Waylon and, you know, Augustus is kind of a, a combo guard forward uh, like Tarasi. So, you know, that's definitely the, the impact is going to be felt. It's not going to be the same um, for Phoenix this time around. I... You know, I kind of mentioned this before we we jumped on there, and I'm really struggling trying to figure out what's going to happen in this series. I I think it's going to be tremendous. Um, Fouls and you know Griner, Griner completely had her way with Tulsa, and that's that's not going to be the case against against Fouls. Yeah, that is the matchup I'm most looking forward to. I called it earlier this season a clash of the Titans, um, and Frankly, I don't think Sylvia Wallace, Sylvia Files has played her best basketball at all no. in this series. Um, and yeah, I have no thought out or well thought out actually reason for why that is. Uh, I asked Coach Reeve about it after the first game, but she attributed to the defense's preparation, which is is always sort of the case. But right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the Lynx are figuring out how to make their uh, how to produce enough shots to go around for everybody because they got a lot of people who like to score. Yeah. Or it's or it's the chemistry uh, in the backcourt with you know Waylon and, and Simone coming back and developing uh, chemistry and getting back into the swing of things. That could have an impact on the low post players. Uh, in, in how often they get the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how now that Files is matched up against one of the best defensive or the best defensive player in the game, how she'll, how she'll do. Yeah, they they were saying on the broadcast uh, in Game 3 because Files like, kind of got benched there for a little stretch. Um, and they were saying that is because Reeve just wasn't happy with her effort on the defensive end. 
Um, well, that's that's not that's not the first time that that has happened this season mm-hmm. um, at all. I can recall a few times where, when closer to when Sylvia was first playing with the Lynx, that she went to the bench really early and went with Asia Jones right in the game, and not so much because it, you know Sylvia was floundering out there because Reeve just didn't like one or two things that she did on any particular sequence. Yeah. So she she isn't shy of pulling the trigger, but <laughs> in, ga- in game three, she brought out fouls. Uh, I don't know if that's the same instance that you just mentioned, but yeah. she brought fouls out, but she didn't go to Asia Jones right away. Uh, she, she went to Deborah, or no, she went to Asia Jones right away, and then Asia did something or a few things that she didn't like, and then she went to Deborah Peters, and it was everybody seemed to be on a short leash, mm-hmm. and those are three pretty good players to have on a on a rotation, I right. think. But obviously, the preference would be for Fowles to be out there. Oh yeah, certainly against Griner, um, and she's you know Griner's not you know an offensive savant necessarily, but I mean she's she kind she kind of. <laughs> She kind of made us look foolish with her, her offensive play last series. I mean, she, she was getting it done around the basket, and Fowles is pretty much the one player in the league that can challenge her in terms of, of size around the rim. Um, yeah, that's going to be quite the matchup down low. Yeah, I think that's the nicest way you've ever put Brittany Griner's offensive game, or me for that matter. <laughs> um, I think those are the kindest terms you've ever said it in. But uh, yeah, she's not an offensive juggernaut. I think Sylvia Fowles is, you know, physically able to defend Brittany Griner. I think there's ways Griner, you know, good good offense will be good defense often. Right. So uh, I think there's ways that Griner can score and be successful, but. I think what's intriguing to me is because Brittany Griner is so good defensively and she can probably match up one-on-one with Sylvia Fowle, that's going to be a little different, I think, um, compared to what will happen with what happened with L.A. Because L.A. needed to double-team double her and, and bring defensive looks to defend her when Griner can defend one-on-one. So what does that open up for Link's teammates, if anything, uh, that's sort of an interesting development I'll be watching on uh, today and throughout the series, however long it lasts. Yeah, and it's the same way on the other end. And uh, Griner dominated offensively against Tulsa. Um, anytime she got a one-on-one matchup, so much that they often, you know, had to bring a double team, which just makes everything so much easier for for the Mercury. You know, when if Griner's getting double teamed and she can just pass that out over the top and they got shooters spread out around the court you know that's easy buckets but fouls allows you to just go one-on-one straight up and that's going to make phoenix's offense you know a lot a lot tougher uh to operate you know you're not going to get as many open looks when you don't have the over rotation and over helping Um, and you should watch for this if you haven't noticed it already um the Lynx will actually rotate their, 
the weak side guard below the basket for either to help on the defensive rebound or to double, but by the time that that backside rebounder can get there, it's pretty close to when a post player is getting near the basket. But it's sort of, it's cool in the set, or not cool, but I think it can be effective in that because of, of where this defender comes from, it's really hard for the for the person posting up to, to see mm-hmm. the player come from there because it's almost as if 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 you're a player, how do I how do I visualize? If you uh, if you're a player with the ball and you're in the post and you're the low block and your back is faced towards the baseline, yeah, the, the defender is almost coming parallel to the baseline to right. steal it from from behind. Yeah, it's, some, it's something that you know, Anna Cruz is noticeably good at it, and so that's. I know that's how they're going to defend it. Uh, and Griner's probably used to it, so maybe they don't. I mean, they've met, they're so familiar with each other that it's, uh, you know, it's become a rivalry series. It's probably the best rivalry in the WNBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, what did you say, four of the last five, or that the Lynx have faced them in the playoffs? Yeah, now, now it is with this series. Okay. That's four of the last five. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's in- incredible. I, like after the, after the um, the Sky Fever series, like people were asking Tamika Catchings if if that was a rivalry because they had played, you know, because they're like, well, is this a rivalry now? Like th- this is the second time you've met uh, in the playoffs in a row. It's like, well, if you're gonna start asking if two meetings in a row is a rivalry, this is four out of five. I think <laughs> I think that is confirmed a rivalry. Yeah. I mean, granted, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have the same geographical reasons to be a rivalry as Indiana and Chicago would. Right. Um, that doesn't always equal a rivalry either. For instance, the Wolves and Bucks have no rivalry in the NBA, <laughs> and and they and they have you know the Packers and Vikings. Objectively, I think is a pretty cool uh, rivalry for, in in the NFL. I mean, I was actually born and went to high school in Phoenix, so having these two teams play is somewhat significant for me in that <laughs> standpoint, so, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of funny, there's the snowbird tie, I guess you could say, there's people who go and live in Phoenix for the winter, so they have homes in two places, there's yeah. a lot of people you seem to run into around here, um, have that going on, so. Whenever Phoenix and, and Minnesota play in any sport, it's a good time for me, especially. Word. That's uh, Zach dropping some some personal facts on the podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know why I went there, but that's where we ended up. So <laughs> that's where we're at. What, um, I mean, what, you've watched this Lynx team, obviously, more than I have. What I mean, sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot like this, but like, what's the the one thing that they've maybe struggled with uh, this season or haven't been consistent with, you know, that they really need to maybe sort of like a key for them to uh, advance past the Mercury. They've had they've had some trouble with the Mercury in the regular season. Um, obviously, they haven't been completely healthy in all those matchups, but you know, what's uh, what do the Lynx, their main thing, the Lynx need to do? This series. Well, I, I it's a pretty. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to paint a broad picture, but 
you know, as you said, they haven't been healthy, and now they are healthy. Uh, and now that they are healthy, they haven't been, you know, they've continued to perform inconsistently, whether it be for one quarter or for an entire game or for an entire, you know, couple games throughout various points of the season. But um, after game three, Coach Reed said, or Coach Reed or Waylon, I don't know, I'm getting a lot of statements and quotes mixed up in my head, but uh, (laughs) after the second, it was during the second half of that game two uh, when they were routed against Los Angeles. Um, That second half, I think they they played a little better. There was a sense of urgency. They had been down by so so many points at that that juncture that there was, you know, they needed to figure something out or else they were going to, you know, go in the in the game three and be at liberty of having the same thing happen again. So I think after that game, something changed because during the first quarter of game three, Rebecca Bunsen opened the game with a layup, and then on the very next play, uh, she stole the ball at the top of the key and scored on a breakaway layup. And I think that was, uh, when you look back on it, sort of an indication how the Lynx defense played all game. I mean, they were aggressive. They came out ready to stop. You know, they came They came out fully prepared, and it's probably the best I've seen them play all season at that end of the court. It took a little while for their offense to get going, and uh, that's the part you're almost concerned about. But can they play defense consistently? Because I think if they can do that, they're capable of beating anybody in this league. They've shown it at times throughout the season, and they've shown it the best they've shown it recently. But can they do that uh, now when it matters the most? We'll, we'll have to see. Right. Yeah, I mean, they I, they were the number two defense all season long. You know, that's even when, when they weren't healthy, they were still they were still cobbling together a pretty legit defense. And, you know, I mean, Phoenix... Phoenix isn't too shabby on that end either with Griner, but yeah, I think yeah, no. This... Defense wins championships. The friendly bounce knows that. <laughs> Shout out, Coach Reeves. Coach Reeves, a fan. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> um, she'll be the first. She'll be the first to tell you. She doesn't talk on game days, or I would ask her. Not until later, anyway. She doesn't talk on morning shoot around. Where's... All right, you got any? Any final thoughts about this series? I, I, I guess I'm. Go. I can go on. I can go on and on, but. I think I'm going to go with Minnesota. I'm going to pick the Lynx. To, yeah, but are uh, you going to say they're going to sweep? No. You say game three? Yeah, I think I think Phoenix gets a win at home. Um, but yeah, I I think this is going to be a great series. I. Two. I mean. They've been the two best Western Conference teams all year. Um, you know, this is only right that, that they meet in the Western Conference Finals again. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Lynx. Well, I, let me let me keep one, and up, keep one up in you so I avoid the part where I have to predict the winner. <laughs> um, the winner of this series... with the exception of 2012, has gone on to win the WNBA Finals. So every time these teams have met in the Western Conference Finals, 
which is this was this is the fourth time. So yeah, you do the math. Do you think it will be the same in this series, and that the winner of this series will ultimately win the final? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would lean toward yes, but uh, I don't know. It would be contingent on the Eastern Conference fall, would it not? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, the Liberty are, I mean, I, 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 I did pick the Fever, but I don't know, the Liberty looked dominant last night. Uh, I don't know, that's... It's gonna be a great. It's gonna be a great finals, regardless. I, uh, I don't know that I would necessarily pick, the winner of this series right now, but, I mean, they certainly have a good chance. Uh, both of these. I mean, whoever wins is gonna Lynx or Mercury. Like this is, they're both super talented. Uh, uh, that's not really an answer, but I, I'll. I guess. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Here's, here, here's the kicker, the, when it, when the winner of the Phoenix-Minnesota uh, series did not uh, win the finals that season, it was uh, Indiana who won the finals in 2012, so there's your tie. Yeah, there you go, Tamika Catchings. I'll take the links in a sweep. Wow, confident. Let's end the podcast so I don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Alright. Game one tonight. We're recording this on, on Thursday. Game one tonight, eight o'clock Eastern, ESPN two, live from the Target Center. Zach, are you gonna be there? I uh I will. I hope I hope I make it there. Basically <laughs> sound like all things all things uh yeah, all things considered I, I expect to be there, yes. There you have it. Zach will be in the house for Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, game 2, both of these series will be on Sunday. We might chat in between then. Not sure, but Game 1, check it out tonight, ESPN2. I'm Jack. That's my boy, Zach. Here's our guy, DJ Las Latino, playing this out. Peace. This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is bounce.